We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For your Sunday show, guys, we are going to finish up looking at what the Browns have done for the offseason and just give a total summary of the salary cap for the current state of the Browns, both talking about some of the restructures they've done, potential look at extensions, and then really kind of looking at some some cumulative questions around why they're operating the way they are, why more teams aren't operating the way they are, and what the outlook is for all of this cap space in season and how that ties over to the rollover. Jack Duffin joins me from the OBR on the latest OBR Film Breakdown. All right, before we get to game week, I want to spend some time, I guess our last show, really looking back, Jack, and kind of looking back, looking forward, it's going to kind of happen parallel in this conversation, because I feel like that's what salary cap is. You're always looking back, you're always looking forward, you're trying to figure out what have you learned from the past that you can apply to the future, or where do you sit currently that you can apply to how you're changing your plans in the future, and I think this is a good thing to do on a Sunday. Should be a pretty quick conversation, but there's a lot of really important nuggets in where the Browns 23 offseason has left the cap here. So um, let's start with some simplistic stuff here. Current cap space. I think that there's been a number in the like high 30s floated out there, but it's a little different than that. Can you explain why that number is a little different if you look at over the cap? Yeah. So just to give the most upstate number, it's 26.9 million. And the reason why it's dropped about 8 million um, or 10 million since like, people might last have looked at it. When you're in the regular season, you only account for the top 51 players just to give teams a little more, more breathing room. So that's 2 million come from there, just adding two guys onto the bottom of the roster. We've got the practice squad. All do count on the salary cap, but obviously no one is signed until you're on the practice squad. So that's about another 4 million of space that's going to get added there. And then injured reserve is the other part where guys like Anthony Schwartz have landed on injury reserve because they were waived injured, moved on there. A guy like um, Jordan Kanasic is on injured reserve, so you're paying for him. And so that's there's some collection there. There could easily be some injury settlements and some other stuff where that number does come down a bit, but that's where they are for current accounting numbers. And that number's still relatively high compared to the NFL at this moment, right? Yeah, so still first in the NFL. Um, you've got the Cardinals in second place. They're about 10 million behind the Browns. 
And then per over the cap, you've got eight teams that are currently for their numbers in negative. And that just means they just need to get everything sorted. I think it's Tuesday this new accounting actually kicks in. But it gives them a couple of days just to get everything, get their house in order. Um, so you might see some restructures, some move arounds to uh, help the teams. Chiefs are in the worst spot, um, but that's easily cleared up with a Chris Jones extension. All right, so we can keep the banner for at least one more season that we have the most cap space heading into the year, right? I believe it's probably going to be a permanent banner. So you can hang that every season. Okay, so that's the question then, because they're going to clearly play the rollover game, right? And if you don't know what rollover cap means as a listener to this pod, I've had Jack on many times. And I know that he's referenced it. I know you, I would think you know that I have referenced what that means. It is a push forward number and you can take it into the future cap. So like when you're looking at over the cap, I think you see for the 2024 season, it's something like they're what I, I think Jack and I talked off. There was like 25 and a half million um, under or sorry, over the cap. So they were uh, in the negative. But that rollover is a massive part of fixing that, keeping your books balanced. Right. So I think that. What's interesting to me, Jack, is the current situation they're in. You're talking about 26.9. I think when people see that, they're like, originally, they're redoing a lot of contracts, right? Restructuring miles, restructuring several different people. And you're like, oh, is there a trade? What's looming out there? What could they do with that? It's a fair question to ask if you don't totally understand what's going on here. But to me, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, they're putting themselves in a situation where clearly the bottom line goal is the baseline is that we're going to use this money into the future and be a part of our, our weaponry to do still things in free agency and different sorts of activities to improve the roster. But I am a bit curious if they get into week seven, eight, nine, ten, and they're starting out great. They're six and one, seven and two, whatever that number is. I know that the 31st, October 31st of the trade deadline, I don't know how many weeks will be into the season at that point. But uh, at this point, so say they're six and two, seven and two, whatever that number is. And they're really good. And you can see that they can push for the Super Bowl here. And maybe the Rams start two and seven. And they said, we are willing to listen to offers on Aaron Donald. It seems like at most trade deadlines, Jack, there has been a player of real relevance. Vaughn Miller comes to mind. I'm probably blanking on a couple others. But there have been real players that could be moved at the trade deadline that can help a team push all the chips into the middle of the table. Do you think that the Browns organization is at that moment going to be of the belief that they can take that opportunity, seize it, capitalize on it, maybe what I don't know what Aaron Donald would be owed at that point. I know you're taking over a contract halfway through a year. We're not getting into the nitty gritty details because it's just a super hypothetical we're playing here. But the general question I'm asking is, would you see them in that scenario be willing to take on a player that they think could push them over the top? Or do you think they're really like, this 26 million is untouchable for us keeping the continuity of this roster moving forward. If we eat up eight, nine, 10, 11 of this, it's going to really cripple us and make us have to move on from someone that really matters. So I just have thought that maybe they're able to sort of play both sides of the fence there, future in mind, but boy, if we can capitalize on the present, we have a real opportunity. So I'm curious your thought on that as someone who looks at this stuff like every day. Yeah. So it's one that, the structure and how they're building everything is all about creating extra flexibility. And that's the whole philosophy of why they're doing these restructures now, because it's you just want that view. And I'd say a good way of like, if you went out and bought a sofa and someone said, hey, do you want to pay this for this sofa now or pay exactly the same money each of the next five years and you pay a fifth of it each year? There's no interest or anything, but 
you would say, hey, I'm going to spread that over there because if my boiler breaks, then a week later, you've got money to pay for that boiler. And that's yeah. the whole philosophy of the restructure and building the space. Removing interest is a beautiful part of credit cards, right? Yeah, you're, you're right about that. So keep going, sorry. So they've got this money and I don't think it's there to go out and spend to improve because if we just look at this season, most expensive roster in the NFL, if we look at over the last three years as an average, they're spending just $51 million a year more just than the league average. We're not talking them to the bottom of the league, just to the league average. So this roster, they've already invested a load. But if they got an injury, so let's say we get up to the trade deadline and Amari Cooper goes down. I think that's the point where you phone up the Buccaneers, potentially, with Mike Evans. They're floundering. Baker's not done it. And they say, hey, if you hold on to Mike Evans till the end of the year, you're going to get a fifth as a comp pick because that's the most he can get because he's been in the league 10 plus years. We're going to give you a fourth for the next draft. So you have to wait one year less to get the pick. And we're going to give you around more than you would get. You just give us that player. That's one I could realistically see them doing. But that's going to take for Amari Cooper to be injured for them to make that sort of move. I don't think it's one where they're looking at Aaron Donald and going, shall we get him? But if Miles Garrett or Dalvin Tomlinson goes down, potentially you're then in a conversation of what would you give up for an Aaron Donald. So I think it would be more it's flexibility for a rainy day or an injury rather than let's go mad. Because if you spend another 10 mil bringing someone in like Aaron Donald for half a season, that's 10 million extra you get to cut next year. And so it's that balance of is Aaron Donald worth 10 million more for half a season if you have to then go from White Teller to Michael Dunn as your starting right guard mm-hmm. because you've blown that 10 million there. And, and that's the realistic thing you have to balance. People go, oh, just add more in this season. The idea is this is sustainable. And we're not talking just one, two, three years when they spend 50 million more than everyone else. I, I could see realistically in five years' time with the cap rising, they're still spending sort of 70, 80 million more than the league average. So why not sustain it? Let's have the entire career of Watson where we're hell for leather and going for championships. And that was with an S. Yeah, so the the question would be if they did make a deal like that, um, and you're right, it could it could be angled towards somebody who gets hurt or, or correcting that flaw, right? That's definitely possible. But if they did this, because we always have to play the other side of the fence, which is what we're predicting versus what they can sometimes surprise us with. If they went out and did a deal like that, $10, $11, 12000000 million for the rest of the year of a really talented player, do you think that would really hurt them to the point of, sacrificing down the line or do you think they could still correct things in a manner that can that can get them still the results of keeping a majority of this if not all of the roster intact that's the question right you know is is it going to cripple them if they make that sort of decision so i don't think it's going to cripple you and be a lasting impact and at the end of the day i to to use teller to michael dunn as an instance it's like 12 million saved it's not one that if, White, if Michael Dunn was our starting right guard for the season, I don't think anyone's saying, oh, Browns, they're done. They're going to be a four-in four team. So it's one that it's just that balancing out. And maybe it's that, hey, our second edge at the moment is Zedaria Smith. That's amazing. That's mm-hmm. 13 million. So next year, we're actually going to just step everyone up. So Okoronkwe becomes edge two. Alex Wright and Isaiah move up and then you add a draft pick instead. And it's where you go from replacing 
a Zadarius Smith is your edge two to it's the next man up and pop another draft pick in the bottom. And that's kind of how you balance it out. And for me, I would much rather keep having a Zadarius Smith every year and have a Zadarius Smith this year and next year rather than go, give me an Aaron Donald for half a year and then we have to have Okoronkwo as a starter. Okay. Yeah, that's that's generally what I'm asking is kind of what the shape of I know the rollover stuff is gold. I mean, it allows you to keep rolling the way they're rolling. So the question of of cutting into that, say half of that to, in order to make a move for somebody that really matters. And there are not many names that would really matter in the way of doing that. It's just an interesting sort of question. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we get back, we got some stuff on restructures coming, looming, and then uh, you know, just a general question about pushing numbers off in general. So uh, we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, guys? It's Jake again, here to talk about what I do believe is the premium place to buy tickets for your NFL season this year. You go into Browns games, trying to find the best prices. Should you wait? Should you not? You know, week one is creeping up on us, but there are some really fun games on that home schedule, and you can get any of them using the GameTime app. That is GameTime.co if you're on the web browser, but the app is where it's at. Shouldn't be stressful to buy tickets, and man, Game Time's the fastest, easiest way to buy those tickets for any sporting event, local, whether it's, like I said, you're going to Browns games, or you want to go to concerts, comedy, theater, anything. They got killer last-minute deals, price guarantee, all the stuff you need so you can stop stressing over tickets, start getting hyped up for the fun you'll have. Right? Go to the Game Time app. I do it all the time, looking at trying to take my nephews to an Ohio State game this year. You know, the, the experience of looking at not just the, the best deals, the flash deals, right? Those last minute deals you can unlock, 
but also being able to look at the stadium map and pick out where you want to sit and get the picture from, you know, where the spot in the stadium is. And then again, the lowest price guarantee, cancellation event protection, job loss protection, all of that stuff just makes it even better. It's the place to go for last minute tickets, or to be honest, even when you're planning ahead, I think it is 100% the place to go. And again, you, you have a fantastic mobile app. You can go online. You can look at those seats. They're sent directly to your phone. Those tickets are. You don't have to dig through your email. Two taps, you're set. Everything you need is at game time. So download the game time app, create an account, use the promo code OBR, very simply OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code OBR, $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. In the news lately, Jack, it's constant restructures, right? They're trying to create, like we're talking about here, as much money as possible uh, to keep that flexibility alive in the future. So you're seeing names, even like Jedrick Wills, which didn't create much, but it created some. And I think that question begets, or that action begets the sort of follow-up, which is there are some names that can still be restructured before money. We're not talking extensions yet, but just kind of who could be restructured if they wanted to create even more money uh, for the future here. Yeah, and so this was an interesting one because I wrote an article probably back in January about, hey, here's like eight players that you should go after. It's 93 million you open up. Um, obviously, first name was Watson. Easy, put that one in the bag. Then there was the next tier, and it was Miles Garrett. It was Joel Batonio, um, and that that made sense then as, as that group. And then there were sort of two groups below that. There's the guys that you don't know how much longer in Cleveland they're going to be, and then there was two smaller ones. So they actually went into the smaller bucket first, and that was David Njoku, um, because he had like a $4 million base salary. The interesting one there that they haven't then done as well is Denzel Ward. And it's quite yeah. bizarre they haven't done Denzel Ward because he's got guarantees in his deal um, in 2023, 2024, and 2025. So it's not like he's going anywhere anytime soon. Maybe they want to keep that a little bit of flexibility for a potential trade down the line if they then end up paying Newsom and Emerson. But for me, that made sense as one that if you're doing Njoku, why don't you do Ward? Um, I'll hold my hands up. I never saw the Jed Wills one coming. And yeah. that got me completely by left field because um, it opens up only a tiny bit of space. Um, but they're probably looking at it going, hey, he's guaranteed the money this year and next year. You may as well just do it, um, even though it's a small part. But I think the three that they haven't done are the most telling. We've got Amari Cooper, who's due 20 million this year and 20 million next year. There's no guarantees in that. So they're obviously leaving themselves the scope to potentially get out. Wyatt Teller is another one. And that's one that we, we've heard rumours that around the free agency in the kickoff there, they did have trade discussions with other teams, obviously didn't get what they wanted. Could he be a can, cut candidate? I would say in terms of your major players, he is the most likely player to be cut or traded off next year. There's no guaranteed money there. And then the final name is Nick Chubb. So Nick Chubb was bizarre. It, one of the only deals for a major player this front office has done and ne- not included void years which is about spreading that cap over and sort of, hey, they're going to be here long term. And also the other thing they didn't haven't done is restructured him. I think with the fact that the running back market is nuts, um, because when that got extended, sat there, I think I wrote the article, I said, oh, it'll be about 15 million if they want to get around the table again in a couple of years' time to do an extension. It might now actually be less than the 12.2 million he signed for. That's just yeah. insane with how the salary cap's going up somewhere in sort of 12 to 13 million is probably what you expect. So 
they could do that deal. I've I've put a potential. The Tuesday before the 2020 season is when they extended Kareem Hunt. Could they do Nick Chubb the Tuesday before the 2023 season? That's my that is my bold prediction. Yeah, so Nick is an extension candidate for this year. So that's a good point. Is there? Um, actually, I'm going to hold off. There's this extension and restructure guys I want to ask about, but the but the pushing numbers thing is interesting because Jack, I know that they're doing it and people understand the interest part of it, the no interest, you're paying it over time. But I think there's a question here that, that sort of looms, which is how long can you do this? How many times can you do this? Like I, I, that's the first part of my question. I'll let you answer that. Is there a limitation to the number of times you can restructure a guy's contract when you have them? Right? Because in my mind, I'm thinking about young quarterbacks. If you give a quarterback a contract and you can keep restructuring it over time, like I know Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Deshaun just a, I mean, he's a little older. He's not that much older. Like some of these guys, I'm like, I have them for 10 years. Like they're clearly going to be here for a long time. So how many times can you do this to keep the quarterback number low? And when does it get to the point that you just have to eventually say, we're just going to have to have that 50, 60, 70, and it's going to get into the eighties before long cap hit for these quarterbacks. Like what, at what point does it hit that, that point where you say, we cannot do another one of these restructures. We just have to have that year. And whether that's you accepting or can, you know, understanding rebuilding is going to be happening or whatever. Like, when does it get to the point as an organization? You're like, we can't do that anymore. We have to just have him have a large number this year, or next year. Yeah, we'll talk from a team building perspective later with everyone's contract. But if we focus on Deshaun, so the this season was always going to be a restructure. I, I think I wrote the article the day of the release of numbers for a. Uh, um, the OBR and said, hey, book that, restructure's coming next year. In terms of next off-season, it's effectively going to be a decision. If he's not great, they're going to hold off and keep options open. If he plays really well, top eight quarterback, they're going to restructure that. So that will be his third year restructure, and they will, will not do the fourth year unless he's coming to the table and agreeing an extension. The reason for that is you can push all this money but if he then suddenly goes, well, I'm just not going to um, sign an extension, you are dealing with all that money hitting the year after he leaves. And so that's the point where it gets too risky. What you'll probably do after the his third season in Cleveland, so counting last season as his first, after mm-hmm. the third season, I expect them to get back around the table. And that tends to be the common factor. With big-name players, two years left on their contract, it's when you get them around and agree an extension. What you can then realistically do, if you signed a five-year deal with him, you can kick that can all the way until he retires. It's really important that he then retires in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, that's a, there's got to be some backroom handshakes there, right? Yeah. You know, you would need so, the threat yeah. of um, franchise tags still to be in the contract, I believe, just for having yeah. that nature of you can push him right to the end. Because yeah. what you've got to do is you've got to keep him all the way through. And then when he retires, effectively, you give him a, a one-day contract for the following season. And the Bucks did it with Brady, um, yeah. Ben Roethlisberger with Pittsburgh, Drew Brees with the Saints. And where you take all that money and you split that over two years, because he effectively retires on the 2nd of July. No, 2nd of June, post-June 1st, yeah, 2nd of June. Yeah, yeah. And you split that over the two years after he's retired. And so for those two years, 
that's where you then balance all the money you've been saving over the past. And yeah, if you have, you've got to find that DTR style quarterback or bring in a cheap guy like Brissett and go, hey, for two years, we're going to be paying a star quarterback on the books. He's already retired. We're just going to balance out. So the rest of the roster can still be loaded, but you just bounce to a, a less talented quarterback. So you can kick that can all the way. Yeah, so you you understand that you you just like players have ability to get out of this stuff like after a while, right? And and you you could be paying a quarterback significant caps after he's gone. So there's like you know you can't just keep doing this now. Like Jack said, if you have a wink wink agreement here that you know I'm staying here forever, like this is where I'm at, then you can get really creative. But not all of those situations get to that, which is again what Jack's illuminating here. If Deshaun doesn't have a stellar second season here. You know, that third season stuff or whatever, you know, you, you you just can't make that sort of deal because if you make that sort of deal and you got a quarterback who's not showing you the sort of stuff that garners that type of money, that's when you start to get into a bit of a pickle. So it's, it's, it's a mesh of the, the, the quarterback has to be great, playing great, and then you have to have that vibe that that guy's going to stick around for a really long time. And I, I, I know the other fan question because you just answered that really well for why teams can't just like run miles Garrett out until well miles Garrett might not want to be here anymore. Like there's threats of that stuff. So um, the question, I think a lot of people are asking the Browns are proving to be really smart with this stuff. And obviously there's other organizations, the Eagles and some others who do a good job. And I know Questy was taking that with him. Right. So why are not like, why is this not common? It's getting more common the void years and I'm seeing it in other places, but it's like, again, for fans to sit here and say, well, the Browns are the biggest geniuses in the NFL. Like this is kind of hard for me to stomach because we do see them doing a lot of the right things around the cap here with the void years and pushing these things interest-free off as the salary cap rises. It's smart to do that. You, you end up having more money, right? Is it like if, from your observations, Jack, is it more common than ever now in the NFL to see contracts working this way? Or are you still seeing a significant amount of teams not doing this? I ask that because we're going to be paying close attention to what our Ohio counterparts here are doing down in Cincinnati. There's still no Joe Burrow extension. T Higgins is coming up soon. Not long after that, Jamar Chase. So like, I guess what I'm getting at is there's something that would stop teams from doing this. A cash flow angle uh, is, is like you're a GM and your owner says we can't do that because of something, or is it just everybody else around the league just needs to catch up with this? Yeah. So the, there's a few different factors and this was the first um, off season. I really dug into what other teams did. Because I just I focused so much on the Browns, it was like surely everyone's at this. Um, certainly the Eagles and the Saints, but what about other teams? And what I found was even the Eagles and the Saints are not anywhere near the same level as the Browns, um, because we can just look at the Eagles over the last three years. They're about 150 million behind the Browns in terms of spending, and that might catch up now. And the reason why that might catch up now is because to do this style. You have to have several players that you want to keep around longer term. It's not one way you can just keep bringing guys in for one year. And you, if you're kicking the can, you're only kicking it one year. You've got to have guys like your Miles Garretts, like your Joel Batonios, um, even potentially your, your Nick Chubbs, that you want over a longer period. Because you can't just prorate over five years with a void year and they leave a year after. You've got to have guys you want to commit to. I would say ideally for at least three years because you spread it over three and then it drops off at the end. doesn't matter too much. And so that's a really key part that 
the Browns have got to sustain it either through free agency or through drafting and trading for guys that you want to spend a load of money on. Is the owner willing to stump up the cash? Because if the actual spending requirement is only a little bit of cash and every team's over that, if you then want to go all in in terms of cash spending, the Browns are miles over that. They've spent $800 million over the last three years. You compare that to the Bears at $530 million. That is a significant difference where owners can spend a lot less, still get good results because money doesn't give you everything. If you spend it poorly, etc. But not a lot of owners have got the liquid cash. And some obviously all these owners are rich. But there's a difference between rich and having lots of assets and rich and having lots of cash where you can throw it in escrow, you can go invest it. And I think the other part is it takes a little bit of time to ramp up. You can't just wake up one day and go, hey, we're going to be the top spenders in the NFL for the next three years. You have to build into it where you're stacking these contracts, you're lining them up correctly. So I I think they're in a really good spot where this can sustain. There's two things that could blow it all up. Jimmy reduces the spending. It wouldn't blow it up horrendously. They would just tail it out. But the one big thing, if there was another pandemic, the Browns would be screwed. I mean, let's hope the salary cap doesn't go through what it went through. That's what they're banking on. It it would be grim. Um, I haven't got any hair left to pull out, but it would be absolute (laughs) disaster in that front office where they're like, we can't even get out of these contracts because you're stacking the, the dead cap and the money by design to allow you to spend more. And dead cap is another thing that Browns, not Browns fans, all NFL fans scared and view as a bad thing. Dead cap and the way of structuring deals is why the Browns can spend so much. Dead cap's not a bad thing. Yeah, so they they probably, before they made this real decision back in 2020, they probably met with some epidemiologists to figure out, like, when do you predict the next pandemic? So they had to just make sure. (laughs) That's fascinating stuff, Jack. It's it's really great. Um, and, And it gives you an understanding of why, like you said, teams can't do it right away. It has to be the Browns are the right owner and the right influx of talent to make this sort of thing be a part of who they are. And it's not always that way for some teams, right? So uh, we could see it down the line next five to 10 years. I think we'll see more of it. But as of right now, it just is sort of the right time, right place for the Browns to take advantage. Before we go quickly, give me, and you don't even really need to go in the details. We just want to give people this to nibble on because you're going to write about it and do the details. That's the stuff that matters. Who are your two extension candidates? You already gave us Nick Chubb. Uh, that one is uh, number one. Who Give me one more extension candidate in the next 365 days. So that includes in-season, which they have extended folks in-season, and then into next off-season. Into next off-season. You, you get really naughty with that one. In terms of in-season, mm-hmm. there's two other guys, DPJ and Delpit. Um, I think DPJ's okay. done at the end of this season. Delpit is the one. Um, but he's got a tough battle. I am I'm Rodney McLeod, number one fan in the Cleveland fan base. I think he's going to outsnap him and Delpit's going to have a tough time getting on the field, but that's the other one to keep an eye on. Okay. So restructure guys. So um, you've mentioned a couple already. We'll remove Deshaun from the table because it still feels like that might happen again. Who who are some guys next? Is it the same big names uh, or is there somebody new that will pop up that could be restructured to open up money? Well, they've actually been effectively restructuring the deals for 2024 already. Um, and so what they've been doing, they did it with, say, Joel Batonio's, where they, they added option bonuses in, so they'll auto-restructure effectively. Um, and it's why you've got sites like Spotrack are, are behind and saying, hey, they're in negative 85 million next year. Over the cap's actually 
adding those restructures in that it will automatically go next season. I don't don't know if there's any guys that really stand out as massive ones, but if you're looking at the big cap hits for next year, you've got Amari Cooper, 20 million base salary. They need to really make a decision next year or either extend him or potentially consider moving off. Deshaun Watson's definitely getting done next year. Nick Chubb's another one where they want to look at either extending or keeping him there. Denzel Ward will get restructured next year. And Jed Wills, it's only one year left of it, but I'd be tempted just to restructure that and kick it out, even if he just stays for that final year. Got it. Good stuff, Jack. We thank you for coming by. Um, You know, obviously, Jack, given Salary Cap Insights, has really morphed the OBR into this collective whole of a site that I think is unparalleled in the the, the market. So that's largely, uh, really solely due to Jack's contributions, and he continues to put out Many, many seller parts of, you know, angles of looking at not just the draft, but, you know, some 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 uh, big board stuff here about how the Browns draft, what things they look at. All of that is always available. He just posted one today. And uh, in the future, he's the place to go, the person to talk to uh, about these deals. Right. Even the people in-house with the Browns talk about him on their network about understanding the nitty gritty details. So we're very happy to have him at the OBR and uh, he'll continue to kick butt for us to start the year. So thanks to you guys for coming by today. Thanks for stopping by. And. Um, taking a Sunday to, to hear about the salary cap. That's probably the end of our looking back to look forward. Uh, I think we're going to try to focus everything now on the Bengals in the 2023 season starting Monday here. We'll have some great guests lined up. So uh, check that out. Visit the OBR. Take advantage of, uh, again, before the season starts, join us. I don't think you'll regret it. I think it's the best Browns community you'll find online. Well worth your time and effort. I continue to say that every pod, but I genuinely mean it. I want you guys to take advantage of that. And then, like I always say, rate and review the pod. So many of you are doing it. Greatly appreciated. Again, one last thank you to Jack for taking time on his Saturday to chat about the salary cap. And then thank you guys for stopping by on this Sunday to listen to this podcast. We'll be back on Monday. Until then, enjoy your last free Sunday before we kick this thing off and get into full gear. And it is Sundays and the NFL occupying every part of your, uh, unfortunately, probably controlling our moods a little bit too much. But, um, you know, the Browns will be eating up all your Sunday. So it's good stuff. Good times ahead. So, like I said, thanks to you guys again. Thanks to Jack. Have a great Sunday. Go Browns.